Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Titans hosting the Saints this Sunday and tomorrow on Rocky Top. Vols and Bulldogs, number one Georgia in town. Welcome, Outkick 360. Final hour is here. Chad Withrow, Paul Kaharski, Jonathan Hutton. Glad you're with us. And uh, each and every Friday, we kick off the final hour each and every afternoon with Brent Hubbs and Austin Price. FallQuest.com to get the very latest on the Vols and their matchup this week against the top-ranked team in the country. We say hello to Brent Hubbs in Knoxville and Austin Price, who is in a car and no doubt had to put the uh, CD of the Mormon Tabernacle Choir on pause <laughs> in order to join us He's for this visit. He's got a Christmas decoration in there, surely. Austin, hope you're doing well. I've, I've even got on green for you guys today. <laughs> ah, look uh, at him. As the Trans-Siberian Orchestra plays in the background <laughs> of his car. Ah. Hubber, how are you, man? I'm doing great. I just I thought it might have been the Pentatonics Christmas album. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> see, listen. Right let's keep it going. Or, or maybe Chipmunk's Christmas all, next week. In all seriousness, Austin, do you listen to Christmas music as early as you put up your Christmas tree? Earlier. Buddy, you know, I, I have no shame in admitting this, that there are probably a couple of days in July where I may throw on a little bit of Christmas music. Wow. I normally, I've not started listening to it yet, though. Even though Christmas trees are up at my house. Um, it's more of a slow progression into the music, but th there's a couple of days in the summertime where I'll put it on just to kind of get myself in the mood. See, I, I would be going with the Alabama Christmas album. That That's would be a, my a very underrated one. Yes, uh, Alabama Christmas. That yes. Amy Grant Christmas also highly underrated. There you go. Very good one. Jacob Swanson uh, Jacob agrees. Swanson's Amy Grant's amazing. Christmas. Um, guys, the the hype around Georgia coming to town against Tennessee's offense. Hubs, I'll start with you. Um, do you feel like the hype is warranted? And do you are you are you buying into the fact that this Tennessee offense is going to score against Georgia? Let's just let's start there and then build around the X's and O's of how they can. Well, I mean, I think that there, there's a chance Tennessee is going to make some plays. I don't think Tennessee is going to drive the football on a consistent basis, 80 or 90 yards, 75 yards. But I think if they can protect Hendon Hooker, then there's a chance they can throw it over their heads and make a couple big plays, which is obviously what the focal point of this offense has been. It's not going to be like it was last week where Tennessee scores, you know, 14 points in five plays and should have had 21 points in six plays. There's no way that's going to happen. But uh, th this secondary from Georgia can let the ball get over their head if you can protect up front long enough. Austin? Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I, I do think that there are plays to be made in the short passing game, Brent. I just feel like that you know, they can kind of use that as an extension of the running game. So, yeah, I, I mean, again, you you got to protect. I mean, maybe they can throw those out patterns to the tight end and, and, to, and to Cedric Tillman to, as an extension of the run game. But to move the ball, this team's going to have to throw it over their head a few times. Well, and guys, I think to have any success in this game, they're going to need to run it uh, to take some pressure off Hendon Hooker. I don't know how they do that. I don't Tyon think they Evans, do that, Chad. Well, okay, but is this is I'm getting my question on that. Tyon Evans or Jabari Small, one of them needs to be healthy enough to play in this I, game. What's the likelihood that happens? 
more likelihood Jabari Small to me than Tyon Evans. I mean, Tyon Evans won play, nine carries last week, limped off the field, uh, didn't get through the Alabama game, obviously didn't play in the Ole Miss game. Uh, I don't think you got a lot of confidence in, in Tyon Evans and his ankle. Um, and so I, I think Jabari Small is the more likely guy, and, and I don't think he's going into this game 100%. You said uh, a couple times there, if you can protect Hooker, if they can protect Hooker, um, what's the pressure going to be like compared to what he's seen this year? How do we expect him to react, and how well can the offensive line play? Well, well George, go ahead, Austin. I was going to say, George is really, really thin uh, or really, really deep, but not having Adam, Adam Anderson makes them a little bit thinner, and, and he's so special coming off the edge. But they're so good in the middle, Brent. Like when you factor in just how Jordan Davis plays and the space he eats up, it just really allows the rest of those guys in the front seven, more, not just the defensive ends, but also the linebackers to really, really thrive. And so to me, he's the key in all of this, is just how much space he eats up, how many, how many people you got to put on him to uh, try to control him a little bit if, he, if he's even controllable. Yeah, I just think they're going to – I think Tennessee will have a hard time protecting Hooker. I think Hooker's going to have to make quick decisions, get the ball out of his hands uh, as, as, as quickly as possible. And, and, and Tennessee's going to have to get some help from, you know, the tight end position and the running back position in, in pass protection because Georgia's been able to get home with their front four – you know, I think sometimes home stat teams are a little bit misleading in some of their stats, but Georgia's got uh, listed 154 quarterback pressures or quarterback hurries this year, which is just a ridiculous number. Uh, but they, they can affect the quarterback, and Tennessee's going to have to find a way to try to get Georgia to run a little bit sideways and try to slow them down up front. Brenna, I think you wrote this this week in one of your columns. Defensively for Tennessee – they had some success in the fourth quarter against Kentucky when they started dialing up pressure. And then on the fourth and 24, they give up the first down on the prevent defense with, with, a, with a dumb play. Then they start blitzing the next four plays, and they get off the field, they win the game. How much of that do you see carrying over into this game where Tennessee's going to bring a lot of pressure and just make Stetson Bennett beat them through the air? Well, I think if you get them in third and throwing situations, I think you got to bring the house. I just don't think that you can sit back and drop three or drop eight and play three up front or, or even just you know rush a basic four. I think if you get them in third down in passing situations, you got to come at Stetson Bennett and try to get in his face and try to get him to make a mistake. They've just not been consistently good enough in zone defense this year to, to get off the field. And I, I think that's what you looked at last week. They, they tried to play, mix it up, play some zone. Uh, against Kentucky. Kentucky had success. They give up fourth and 24, and, and it was pretty clear Tim Banks was angry, and he said, we're not going to go out in zone defense. I'm going to blitz. And, and he brought extra people for four straight plays, and Tennessee went home. You can't do it every play. I think that's a, you know, some fans say just blitz every down. You can't do that. But when you've got them in third and obvious passing situations, I think Tennessee's going to have to dial it up pretty good in this game. Brent Hubs and Austin Price with us on Outkick 360 from VolQuest.com. Austin, the the defensive effort against Kentucky's run game last week compared to what Georgia did to Kentucky's run game, is that a good, just equal look at just how elite Georgia's defense is compared to the rest of the conference? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're just so deep. Again, Jordan Davis just is such a space eater inside. And then when you have, you know, you know when Adam Anderson was there, I mean, obviously, the Kobe Dean. I mean, like they, they just have so many 
really good defensive lineman. It's such a game changer um, for them. And, uh, you know, literally they can have a, an injury or two or have a situation like Anderson where, you know, he, he's got legal troubles and, and is out. And, you know, there's just not a huge drop-off. So, uh, you know, you just go back to, you know, how everybody else has played a certain team and how Georgia's played them uh, defensively. It, it's night and day. And, and, you know, it's kudos to – it just goes back to what Kirby Smart has been talking about in recruiting. It shows you how important recruiting is. Again, you still got to coach them up. You still got to develop them. But talent is talent, and, and when you have that talent, it puts you a, a step ahead of the rest. Well, guys, speaking of Anderson, uh, the Anderson Training Center is getting a, a facelift and getting some new features. Um, this was something that I think was in the works for a while. Brent, I'll start with you on this one. Uh, what were the tweaks made by Danny White and, and Josh Heupel to this plan? I don't think there was a full court bas outdoor basketball court that was initially designed uh, in it. So I think there was a tweak there uh, that was there was an outdoor pavilion area. I think they've taken some of that to put the basketball court in. I don't know that the bowling alley was initially planned in the, in the players' lounge. I, I don't know all of those uh, amenities there. I think the bigger change is uh, what they've done, what they're going to do with some of the rehydration stuff they, they're calling this thing the the body car wash or whatever it is where they've got these cold tubs and different uh, elements that they can go through as they leave the practice field and, and cool down and you know kind of you know revitalize their body and all that stuff they got the body pods and all those things so I, I think the bigger tweaks are probably in in some of the nutrition and hydration stuff that's going through D does this put Tennessee right up there with some of the better facilities in the country once they get done with this $30 million renovation? Well, it doesn't have a slide, so I don't know where that <laughs> yeah. puts it. Um, I, I don't know where that puts you at in, in terms of priorities. But, uh, you know, I, I think when you look at what the focal point is for a lot of people, um, you know, from the nutrition stuff and, and the uh, the re rehabilitation stuff and, and all those types of things, yes, I, I think that's the answer to that. that. There's always going to be some – somebody's going to put in some kind of – you know, tweak or some kind of bell or whistle or something that you kind of go, how does that help you become a better football team that maybe looks better? But I think when you look at what they're doing specific to the, to some of those areas for, um, you know, the player development side of things, I, I think this will put them right right in the tops of the league. What's the time? I think they really should have put in a slot. I think they should have put yeah. in a slot and put the balls at the balls. <laughs> the slide into the balls like when you're a little kid. Yeah, like a Chuck E. Cheese. Fabulous. Like a Chuck E. Like yes. even your own like mock Chuck E. Cheese with the orange play balls in there that you slide into. It'd be great. <laughs> with one of those floating rivers. What do they call that? The lazy, lazy river. Lazy river. Yeah. yeah, that's terrific. What's the timetable yeah, on this got, stuff? Uh, they're going to start on that project. They're scheduled to start on that project uh, next year. Uh, I don't know how long it'll it'll probably take a year or so to get some of that stuff complete, but they're scheduled to start on a thirty million dollar project uh, next year. D Danny White's got no problem bringing in some uh, backhoes and some track hoes and bulldozers. <laughs> it appears because they're they're gonna they're gonna tear into Neyland Stadium starting the week after the Vanderbilt game, and then they're gonna work on um, what's going to happen with with the Anderson Training Center uh, starting next spring, and then once baseball season is over next year, I look for them to. Uh, back a bunch of machinery up into that baseball field and start tearing into it as well. We do we do look forward to the spring game with you guys next year, and we look forward to doing Outkick Live right there uh, in Nashville. 
Nissan Stadium. Oh, uh, yeah. Not, not officially announced, but uh, Austin Price making some news. That's where the spring game's headed, right, guys? Not officially announced, but, you know. It's well, I think it's I think it's a very real possibility for sure. I mean, uh, Tennessee, obviously, with the, the renovations that are going to take place on the west <laughs> sidelines and in the north end zone uh, to Neyland Stadium that will start uh, right after the Vanderbilt game is going to make the, the stadium – uh, really unavailable for for the spring, uh, and and I don't think it's going to be possible to play the spring game there. So Tennessee is exploring all of those options, and Nissan Stadium is certainly one of those options in very late April. So hey, I'll say this, Hutton. Yeah. With with, with your Outkick 360 Masters, that may be a great great time to do that right there with all the with all, with all the Vol fans coming to town. What a what just a to get Austin idea. and his team in on this. That's when we need to do it. Absolutely. We what will your hole Austin. be called this year? Uh, well, what, what were we this past year? Flowering crab apple or something like that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't no, know. No, we'll, some, we'll wilting, come up with wilting cherry. Weeping cherry. Weeping cherry. Weeping cherry. Yeah. Weeping that turned cherry. out to be wilting cherry after Wilt- the game. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up, there's a pretty big recruit coming to Knoxville tomorrow uh, for a really big game for Tennessee. We'll preview more of Tennessee, Georgia, and discuss Walter Nolan, who's an Aggie's commitment that's going to be at Neyland tomorrow, per reports. We'll get the guys who know. Uh, They'll give us the details on that next on OutKick 360. Brent Hobbs and Austin Price with us from Knoxville. VolQuest.com, the website. Chad, a pretty big recruit on campus tomorrow. Pretty big recruit for Texas A&M <laughs> will be on campus tomorrow. Walter Nolan commits to A&M, but he will visit Knoxville tomorrow. Uh, Austin, I'll, I'll start with you on this one. What, what's, what's the latest with Walter Nolan? I guess it's a good sign that he's visiting Knoxville, but does Tennessee stand any chance at this point? Well, I mean, the fact that he's going to come over to campus tells me that they have a better chance than, you know, him not coming to campus. Uh, you know, I, again, I, I think that, you know, Brent, when you look at Walter, we've said the whole time, in, until he signs, nothing's ever for sure done. Um, this roller coaster doesn't seem like it's totally reached its conclusion. And uh, we'll see if uh, the twists and turns over the next month are, are major or are they just, you know, just part of the ride. So, you know, Tennessee is is continuing to talk to Walter. Um, but again, at the same time, I think that they have to be, you know, cautious enough to not put too much time into a kid who, you know, continues to, uh, you know, kind of go down a certain way and, you know, focus on a bunch of other kids that are going to be in town this weekend and, uh, you know, that they have a really good solid shot at. Yeah, two things. I don't think anybody was stunned that Walter Nolan announced a commitment while he was at Texas A&M last weekend. I don't think anybody was shocked to learn that Walter's family said minutes after that uh, announcement to some other people, hey, this thing's not over yet. <laughs> so uh, take that for what it is. Tennessee is going to get him on campus uh, this weekend, and we'll see if they get him back in December. We'll see if he goes back to Texas A&M at some point for, for another trip. But uh, he's going to come ten- give Tennessee another look, and, and we'll see where it is coming out of this weekend. Austin, you said you know nothing's officially over until they sign somewhere. Could the same be said about Ty Simpson? And Alabama uh, with Tennessee possibly having a, a door slightly ajar with him. Yeah, I mean Ty's committed to Alabama. He's you know he's he's never been to Knoxville since since uh, Josh Heupel was here. Um, he's been to uh, you know to best of my knowledge, just because of, of when Tennessee was recruiting Ty, um, you know they were 
I got to know a lot of people out in Martin. I mean, he's been down to Alabama basically every weekend. So, um, you know, that, that one, you know, right now is still all Alabama at this point. When Tennessee announced that you know no bowl ban this year, it feels like they could sort of start to move forward with recruiting and not have to deal with a lot of the negative recruiting about what's going to happen long-term with the program. You couple that, guys, with success on the field, and I, I would expect Tennessee to maybe start doing some more things on the recruiting trail. Is that the sense you're getting right now, or is this just going to be a really difficult year regardless of what happens with Tennessee football on the field, which has been refreshingly good so far this fall. Brent, it, 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 sure, it sure feels like they've got a lot more traction right now, Brent, than they've had uh, at any point during the Josh Heupel era, most of which because the first few months, they were it was a dead period, and then, then they didn't have anything on the field to show even when kids could come to campus. Now that they've been able to show some stuff, it seems like they have more traction with Cody Jones, with Josh Josephs. Um, you know, Demario Tolan's going to give them another look, the LSU commit. Um, you know, Caden Pope will be in town this weekend. It, it feels like there's a little bit more traction there on the whole. James Pierce is coming back for a third time unofficially, which means he's still got his, his official visit to go. Um, it, it certainly feels like, Brent, they have more traction right now than they've had at any point during the Josh Heupel, uh, you know, kind of first year here on the job. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the case. I think the the thing that some people thought was when, when tennis, that announcement came out, all of a sudden, a bunch of guys who were committed elsewhere were going to flip back to Tennessee or flip to Tennessee, in-state kids and that type of stuff. I don't know that they're going to get that kind of sweeping impact. But because there's some guys that Austin just mentioned in the 22 class who are not committed or they're committed to a school that's going through a coaching change, what Tennessee's been able to do on the field, what they were able to announce uh, with the end of the investigation has helped Tennessee with some momentum there here in the final weeks leading up to, to signing day. I just don't think there's going to be a bunch of flips from guys, you know, that, that fans have known about for the last two years, particularly in the state of Tennessee. I know it's premature. Uh, we were joking around with it the, uh, yesterday, though, looking at some bowl prediction matchups. I'm wondering if you have any destinations and or opponents that are particularly striking to you at this stage. Well, I, I've seen Tennessee projected everywhere. I don't think they're going to end up in the Texas Bowl, although uh, being out there playing Texas would be an intriguing matchup because I think Tennessee versus Texas generates a lot of publicity for people. Um, but, but I, you know, I, Nashville would love to have them. Um, you know, I, I think Tennessee would, would is attractive to everybody out there right now in the bowl world. So I, I think that there, when you look at this league, you take Georgia out of the equation – how many more fan bases in this league are more fired up about their team than Tennessee's fan base is right now? As a result, I think Tennessee's one of the more attractive bowl teams out there, uh, which is why you're going to see them projected to a whole lot of places. I think they'll end up either um, Nashville, um, Memphis, or, or, or maybe somewhere down in Florida, Austin. Yeah, I mean, for me, like the, the most attractive bowl, Paul, is is any bowl that involves Clemson because I think that 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 would be a great game for Tennessee. The fans would get into it, you know, seeing that it's just across you know the mountain from from Knoxville and it's not too far, you know. So there's a kind of a natural built-in rivalry there. So for me, yeah, I think any bowl matchup with Clemson uh, would be good. North Carolina would be good as well. Now, problem is to to Brent's point about Memphis, Nashville, or 
Florida, you're more likely only going to see Clemson and maybe that Charlotte Bowl. Um, but uh, it's definitely something that I think would be super attractive. Um, but ultimately, I think Brent's right. You know, Tennessee is very attractive because the Taxler Bowl and the Outback Bowl remember how many Tennessee fans came the last three times that the, the Tennessee played in the Sunshine State. Memphis had Tennessee finally last year and then got it ripped away because Tennessee uh, had the COVID, uh, you know, outbreak. And so they weren't able to go to a bowl game. And then, you know, Nashville's Nashville. So I, all those make a lot of sense. Charlotte probably makes the least sense, as Brent pointed out. And uh, But it's probably got the best matchup or potential matchup of any of them. Guys, Hinton Hooker's been great for Tennessee. There's there's no doubt about it. The one downside with that is suddenly the NFL is paying attention to Hinton Hooker. What What's the plan right now for Tennessee at quarterback moving forward? Obviously... Best case scenario is Hendon Hooker comes back, but do you expect Tennessee to be very active with another quarterback transfer if, in fact, he doesn't come back for that bonus year? How do you see all this shaking out? Well, I think for the, the first thing is you got to wait and see what Hendon Hooker does because at this point you're not attractive to a transfer quarterback um, because the, he doesn't know what your trans, what your quarterback room is going to look like. So if you're in in the market for a transfer quarterback, you're probably not going to be in that market until sometime in spring once you know what Hendon Hooker is going to do. Um, because if Hendon Hooker's coming back, who's going to transfer in from here? Trans- quarterback transfers want to see what their availability, if they can win the job, if they're going to be the guy. That's why I think you're going to see some of these quarterbacks sit back and wait and see who goes in the draft, who comes back, and then make some decisions from there. So I don't see any movement that way until springtime for, for Tennessee. And obviously they're going to bring – I mean, they got Taven Jackson committed, who is a midterm enrollee, and Tennessee wants to add depth in the high school ranks. But in terms of a transfer, I don't think anybody's going to have much interest in Tennessee until they know what that room looks like. Brent Hubbs, Austin Price with us. Brent, I'll start with you. If if Tennessee does hold an advantage in tomorrow's matchup, is it on special teams based on some of the game-changing plays we have seen the Vols make in that in that area? You know, I mean, maybe Georgia's pretty good on special teams. They've not given up anything in the return game at all, uh, both punt return and kickoff return. So uh, I, it's if Tennessee's going to make a play in special teams, it's going to be blocking a punt, um, pulling out a trick somewhere that they haven't shown at this point. Uh, I think Georgia's been very, very steady in the kicking game uh, across the board. I like Valus Jones returning kicks. I just don't think he's going to get opportunities to do that. Uh, against the Georgia kicking game that's been really good. So, guys, uh, one basketball question for you. Uh, big sweeping takeaway from that UT Martin game for me was the three-pointers. And it's not the, the, the same style of play that we saw from Tennessee basketball a year ago. Uh, are we going to see a lot more of that? What, what was your big takeaway from game number one? Well, I think anybody that's followed what Rick Barnes has said, followed what they did in the exhibition game, looked at this roster, understands this is not this is not the Grant Williams, Admiral Schofield, 15-foot jump shot basketball team. That's not who they are. It's not how Rick Barnes wants to play basketball. He wants to let it rip from the three-point line. Will they shoot that many every night? Probably not once John Fulkerson's back in the lineup, Austin. But this, this is a team that's got a lot of guys on the perimeter that Rick Barnes – Feels like can shoot the basketball. They've shot it well in the preseason. I think he's made it very clear to that roster. If you get an open look, you better be taking it or you're going to come sit next to me. Well, Brent, I mean, how many years did Tennessee kind of, you know, hey, man, they're, they're good with, you know, in the paint and, you know, in the mid-range jumpers. But, you know, they sh- you know, 
they either shoot too many threes and they're not good at it, or they don't shoot enough threes. And now all of a sudden, you know, you, you got a, a group that, hey, if you fall behind in a game, you can make up points in a hurry if you get hot and, and you feel like, you know, you can stretch the floor, which will make Tennessee's, uh, you know, play in the paint stronger over the course of the season. That that group's going to get better as Fulkerson gets back, especially the way he throw, or throws, the way he passes the basketball. I mean, I think he can be a real weapon uh, as a facilitator to kick it out from, from you know, the, you know, the corners. Um, I just feel like he can be a real asset to this basketball team with the way they, they run that motion offense. Brent Hubbs, Austin Price, our guests, VolQuest.com, the website. Guys, final thoughts here. The fact that Tennessee is a legitimate test for Georgia, number one team in the country at this stage in the season, and they're viewed as the last legitimate test on their schedule as they go to Atlanta to represent the East in the SEC championship game. Number one, that, that tells you about Georgia's schedule overall. But number two, there is a respect factor given to the Vols that maybe we didn't expect to see at this point. What, what Ultimately, Brent, what does it mean? Well, I think it means Tennessee's played better than, than people anticipated. I mean, Tennessee's still a three-touchdown underdog going into the game tomorrow. So it, it's not like everybody's got Georgia on high upset alert. I mean, the big takeaway is some people think that because Tennessee's been explosive offensively, they can score more points on Georgia than, than anybody else has to this point. Uh, but, but I think it shows that, that Tennessee is a program that's got growth and got some development. Uh, on the flip side, I think it shows that Georgia is clear-cut and, and without debate or discussion, the best team in the country. And um, everybody's looking for a storyline, and the, and the storyline is this is Georgia's last legitimate test till they get to Atlanta. Um, and, and maybe even their last legitimate test before they get to the playoffs, depending on what happens in the Western Division. Austin, do you agree? Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, for me, th- this is a, a game where Tennessee has to uh, either has to get off to a really good start or has to avoid falling into, uh, you know, some turnovers, some short fields for Georgia and falling behind early. Because I think Georgia's defense has heard all week about Tennessee's tempo and their offense. I think they're going to come in here motivated to flex some muscle. So to me, Tennessee's got to, you know, have some success early make Georgia doubt themselves a little bit defensively compared to what they've seen all year and then see where things go from there. I think that the initial start to this football game is is pivotal uh, for Tennessee to be in it into the second half. I, I think the a couple other things, too. You're right, Austin. I mean, you look at that Ole Miss game. Bayless Jones fumbles that first punt, changes yep. the entire game there. Here's the other thing, too. You look at Tennessee's losses – and the number of times they were pe- they've been penalized in losses compared to their penalties and wins dramatically different. Tennessee cannot shoot themselves in the foot, as you said. That they, they cannot turn it over. They cannot spend the day on in second and fifteen because they have they jumped off sides on first and ten. They had double digit penalties basically in every loss that they've had this year. They cannot have double digit penalties on Saturday and beat Georgia. Georgia needs no help at this point. They need no help with anything. Tennessee can't give them any help. CBS game tomorrow, Georgia and Tennessee. Vol Network has it as well. Brent will be on the call for that. Uh, Brent, have a good broadcast. Austin, good day tomorrow as well. We'll be following along at VolQuest. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Brent Hubbs, Austin Price, our guests each and every Friday talking uh, the top Tennessee matchups of the weekend. We'll be recapping 
Tennessee and Georgia on Monday. Merry Christmas. Titans and Saints as well this Sunday as uh, the Titans can get their eighth win of the season. It's hard to, hard to believe they're at the top there. Uh, you know, if they're dropping games. It's time to believe, Paul. No, I know. It's time, <laughs> time to, to get you a Titan you're, you're shirt with the color right. says well, believe on Believe. Yeah. Believe. Ted Lasso, believe. Believe and achieve. The other thing about this game, and I, I, I hate this talk, but I'll engage in it now. If you're going to drop games now, NFC yeah, games, are, games are the ones to, yeah. ones to drop. Um, and, and they've got significant edge in the AFC with only one AFC loss uh, because there are other losses to Arizona. That's if right. they were to lose one, and, and that's a, a, a big markup on the team like Baltimore, uh, who's lost all, all of its losses in the AFC, I believe. Yes. Um, so favorable position there, too. It, it's very different than a lot of years where their tie-breaking scenarios were bad and, and all of that stuff. They've really set themselves up in great position. This is going to be a... Look, it looks to be a real defensive struggle, the way the Titans are playing defense now, the way the Saints rank uh, at, at playing defense. The Titans struggled to move the ball last week. Still, as Chad said, need a couple weeks probably to figure out how to exist without Derrick Henry, and now you're doing it against the top-ranked run defense in the league. Kamara is beat up. Uh, we don't know if he's going to play. He hasn't oh, no. practiced the first two days of the week. That would be a monumental development. For a team that's playing a backup quarterback, we're not sure which one yet. Am I am I being too critical thinking that this there's a lot of talk this week about the Titans being the top team in the AFC and based on the offense right now without Henry, I'm not buying it. I mean their their defense is legit. Their defense has vastly improved, but there are still so many things to work through on offense that I I don't know I can count on week in and week out. Well, I, Up and, front and, of the and, offensive line, just because the offensive line can run block doesn't mean that this tandem is going to give you the same bulk of carries that Henry was able to provide you. And you guys know what I've been harping on. What happens to this offense when they trail in a game? I absolutely get what you're saying. I think a big part of it is, if not them, who? Like I would have said, the Ravens I, and the Ravens went out there. I, I last think night. Julio Jones is such a big part of it to me. Well, I mean, yeah. with his and unavailability, he's got a of yesterday. that's a big issue yeah. with the hamstring going back and forth. I would feel a lot better about it if you're going into game saying, "Well, they can figure out the running game while they have AJ Brown and Julio Jones to throw to in a game." But that's not the case. So I'm I'm sort of with Hutton in that. I, mean, I, I don't have a lot of confidence because of what the offense is right now. But Paul, you're right. Look at the resumes of everyone in the AFC and tell me who else. Who else is playing great? Who else has everything well, there to win a Super Bowl? I, it's probably Buffalo, but they, they've just got the answer, though, The Six answer, though, is... The Jags. For me, it's not like who else... The answer is anyone else. And I don't think the Titans have separated themselves from any of these other AFC teams, just like the other AFC teams haven't separated, but yet all of a sudden, because they beat the Rams with a great defensive effort with two practically two touchdowns defensively it's oh th this is this is the top team in the american football conference i just don't see it that way well, it's i not see the rams a bunch, it's the month i see a bunch of teams well it's the month with henry and then the one game without him and that plus the schedule ahead. i mean plus they the don't ahead. have derrick henry like they had this past month yeah but, that's that's the biggest issue that i'm pointing to that i can't just unequivocally say they're the top team they're the number one seed they may get it but I, I'm, I'm not I'm not anointing that yet. The way all of a sudden the national media is anointing them as the top team in the AFC. 
Well, that, that's the way it goes. And they they have, you know, a lead of two games or a game and a half. And they're here. good, but there, there's yeah. nothing that, to me that separates them from the pack. Well, I think the one thing that separates them from the pack is their horse bleep schedule going forward. <laughs> well, Th- this, okay. that's, this, that's a good point. This, team, this weekend is a problem, but after that, <laughs> to get Houston twice, Jacksonville once, Miami – at as cushy as it gets. Like, you couldn't draw up a better schedule going forward with your tough games and being getting, New England and Pittsburgh. They're getting healthy at the right time, too. They, yeah, I mean, Christian Fulton coming back yeah. conceivably. Um, Lawan, you don't know about his schedule. And Julio Jones, you've been winning without. So, we'll see. But, I mean, I get your thing. And, and, and the other thing is, with this team, as soon as you crown them to some degree – it's got a history of then responding. But I don't feel like it. Look, if they lose 17 16 this week, I'm not going to say that no. that undoes the balloon. And either. I'm not either. I'm, I'm you know, they, they have been able to find a way. You know, they found a way against Buffalo. They found a way against Seattle. They found a way against LA. Uh, found a way against Kansas City. They were the underdogs in that game. And I know they don't view it as whatever Vegas is saying, but it's time to find a way as the home favorite this week. And that that would be a a, a turn in mindset. And against Trevor Simeon, but this is this is opposite right. of the typical game. Or Taysom like, Hill, any of them. Yeah. This is opposite the typical game, like when they've come to the favorable situation, then they lose the game, and it undoes all their good work. Yeah, losing this week wouldn't undo all their good work as long as they get back to beating bad teams that are ahead, which there are a let's, lot of. Let's chat to so even without Julio Jones. It's time, it is time to see Anthony Ferkser contribute. Like To me, this is a big week for him because this is one of those weeks where you can have the tight end really help out across the middle of this field. Where you're not, I, don't, I don't expect the Titans to run it very well. I, I don't think know, it's on Downing more than it's on maybe. Ferkser, don't you? I well, mean, maybe, they, yeah. When have they looked That's to fair. Ferkser? That's fair. I mean, I, uh, they're looking to Swain more yeah, regularly I, now. Yeah, they... You're right. And he's the worst of the three to me. I mean, they were going to Pruitt for a little bit. You and I were both into Pruitt saying, hey, put Pruitt at the head of the line. They haven't really done that. Swaim's on the field more probably because he's more helpful in the blocking situations. And now they've started to throw to him a little bit. But I'm with you. Ferkser is this team's kind of puzzling invisible man in the past game. And he's got more skills than they are putting to use also which is odd. Uh, just looking at role players josh reynolds is out marcus johnson was the the, the talk of camp yep. then he got hurt not no fault of his own got hurt with a knee he's back and he's been back for a couple of weeks now it's time to see the investment pay off and I, i'm not saying it in all in one week but it's time to gradually increase his role week to week for a wide receiving core where Every other week, Julio's in, Julio's out. AJ Brown, you know, is 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 the top producer. But outside of that, it's tough to find that one key guy that you know is going to show up week in and week out. Yeah, I don't really care who it is. Right, right. If this week they see something for Chester Rogers and he it's is a fair. contributor, that's fine. And next week, Nick Westbrook Akina, and the week after that, uh, Marcus Johnson, that's fine. But just get that contribution, right? And maybe it's for whatever, but yeah. start piecing that thing together where you get some kind of consistent alternate to AJ Brown. You need some consistent alternate to AJ Brown. It's clearly not going to be Julio Jones, right? Anytime soon. 
Well, and cons- yeah, consistency is what we're looking for there. And when Julio's available, I think Julio's good for 35 to 50 yards receiving. Like you, he's going to make he's not going to make a bulk of catches, but the catches he makes are going to be crucial um it it, it, it time and place during the game. Every, every catch he made against LA is a great great example And of he that. should affect the defense's approach. Should. Should. I don't know, you know, until he gets it back and gets the 50, maybe not so much, but hopefully more thoughts on the Titans matchup against the Saints, and we uh, discuss Ryan Tannehill uh, as well coming up against this, this Saints defense on Sunday. That's next on Outkick 360. Titans and Saints, Vols and Bulldogs, and much more across the football slate this weekend. Really looking forward to a great college football and pro weekend. Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. We'll be recapping everything with you on Monday, plus previewing the college football slate tomorrow morning. Outkick the tailgate presented by Farm Folio live in Knoxville at Calhoun's on the River. Hope you'll join us if you're going down uh, for the 2.30 Central kickoff, 3.30 Eastern. Join us starting at 10 o'clock Eastern, 10 to noon. Outkick will be live at Calhoun's for the broadcast. Myself. Jill Savage, Clay Travis, Bobby Carpenter, uh, Tony Vitello will be swinging by. Trey Wallace of Outkick.com will be there as well. Uh, a lot to get to and preview tomorrow morning for Outkick, the tailgate. We hope you'll join us for some swag and uh, prizes and much, much more. Stop by and say hello. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. Uh, Chad, Marquez Calloway in town this weekend for the Saints. Marquez Calloway, uh, Alvin Kamara, do we know his status? Right now, then he's not been practicing. He has not practiced. Uh, Mark Ingram is the backup, and then there's Dwayne Washington. You know all the discussion about the Titans run game without Kamara. Paul, I mean, this is the a battle of the the two quarterbacks putting the ball in the air. And I, I know and the then, Saints yeah, the want to take the air out of well. And Kamara's out. That swings me on this game. And then Callaway becomes a big part of the the offense for New no Orleans doubt. without Kamara. No doubt. Here's another uh, note on this game: Jerome Boger. Our oh. favorite referee, he was here among the uh, worst. for Arizona week one, called 15 penalties for 116 yards and had four others declined. Yeah, he, uh, he, he and his crew, what this means is this will not be a well-officiated game on Sunday. No. There will be screw-ups. Um, there, there will be, there mis- will be a miscommunication. Lot of there will be flags. There will be flags. And there will be yeah. confusing will be or misery. incomplete explanations. The old Daniel Day-Lewis right. movie, There Will Be Blood. With this, <laughs> there, there will be there flags. flags. That will be the Jerome Boger life story. There, there will be flags. Chad, how do you see the game going Sunday? I think I, I am so tired of um, betting against the Titans in these games. Yeah. I feel like every time I come out, I'm, I'm given a whole you know soliloquy about don't get too disappointed when the Rams pound this Titans team on Sunday Night Football and they go out and win. This is, we've talked about it all week, this is the type of game the Titans come back as a slight home favorite and find a way to lose. But I'm riding the Titans' momentum right now. This is a team that is consistently now finding a way to win games. And even without Julio Jones, without without the semblance of a rushing attack right now and still finding their way offensively, yep. the fact you've got backup quarterbacks going for New Orleans, Alvin Kamara may be out, I like the Titans. I think they, once again, I think it's close. I think it's low scoring. They're going to have a real hard time with that that Saints defense that doesn't give up anything on the ground. 
and can get creative. Um, I think a big caveat for this Sunday for me is what I've said throughout the season with Ryan Tannehill. He can't have these preposterous interceptions. You're right. He I can, agree can't you. be fooled. I mean, at the very least, don't get tricked into making a bad pass that turns the game around. He's got 11 we saw touchdowns it, We saw it with Stafford, right? Stafford on two plays swung that game and the Titans won. It cannot be Tannehill doing that this week. Right, he's got to be better. He's been he's not been great throughout this season. He's thrown some some just inexcusable interceptions, but I think he's going to be fine Sunday. I think Titans get it done. We've yet to see Paul a complete game from Tannehill, Julio and AJ combined. And we right. I know we're we, not gonna this I know, week. I, know. I wouldn't presume based but I, on this but is also Julio a defense to me that that they aim to confuse, they aim yep. to trick, they they are opportunistic. That worries me well, about what it, the defenses haven't had to be opportunistic with some of the passes. Don't that's let, been intercepted by Tannehill. Don't let the the Saints do a repeat performance of what the Titans did to the Rams. Well, yes. Cam Jordan against David Questenberry concerns me. But, again, you've got some interior guys who are undersized on the Saints line that if Simmons and Autry pick up where they left off and do it again, can dictate this game. I just have a funny feeling about it. If Kamara, Kamara is in, mm, when we don't I, know. I like the Saints. If he's out, I like the Titans. Um, Chad, we know how much you don't like Project Runway. Not the show, but the Project Runway for the Titans on yes. road games. This is the team that would put the Titans to shame for Project Runway. The Saints, when they get off the plane in their, you know, mink coats, you know, their pimp canes Maybe and everything some else they've got. run out there it's, and get on the, on the runway. On and I've exaggerated all this, but they, they dress the part when they get off the plane. Is it just the players or do all their employees get it's Sean Payton? Taken? I was referring to Sean Payton. Okay. Yes. Is Sean Payton. Is that PR you. staff post? I yeah. didn't know if it was just the players or, or everyone, like the Titans organization <laughs> that participates in Project Runway. No, he mentioned Cam Jordan. Cam Jordan's among the those. He like He's always dressed to the nines. Like he just, the you guy know, knows if fashion. You, if you go out and you play great, Whatever. I mean, uh, you know, that's this is, but it's always, it's just an easy fallback when you suck to go back and look at the photos pregame of you decked out and say, why? What's the point? Well, so I just have fine. to learn to swallow it better. <laughs> what? Mash up. What? <laughs> just, uh, just, he's saying he's yeah. in his disdain for it. Yes. Gotcha. For it. Just to clarify. Yeah, that wasn't a non-sequitur. It was in the flow of the conversation. <laughs> I know, it was just funny. It's just a great one-off line. Yeah. <laughs> Our old producer with the mashup would have been like, I've already done the, the mashup. The I don't have time to existence. add that. The bane of my existence. <laughs> um, Chad is not as high on the game tomorrow, Vols and Bulldogs, like I am. I think this is a close game. Uh, close meaning the Vols cover, and close can That's also... Not close. 19 is not close. Well, it... The 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 Alabama Tennessee game was close, Paul, and then Alabama covered. Uh, it was a one score game in the close. fourth quarter. Well, I, I think that'd be a win for Tennessee. Oh yeah, uh, if it's close in the fourth quarter, if it's if it's a repeat of the Alabama game, then that's that's not a bad thing. It's for not Tennessee. a bad thing, yeah, because he, here's, the one score game in the fourth is actually something no one's expecting. But here's what gives me a lot of pause about this game, and I've, I've harped on this throughout the show today. Okay, but for Tennessee to be able to compete with Georgia. They can do it if they had their full arsenal offensively. That arsenal yeah. is running so light yeah. when you don't have, but not just from the running game. 
Jalen Wright can't pass protect against Georgia. He can't. He couldn't do it against Kentucky. I mean, there's a lot of things that go into it. You're going to need extra blockers at times against this Georgia front. If it's Jalen Wright, if it's Marcus Pierce, if it's Lynette Whitehead, those guys, first off, they're not good enough runners, but also they're not good enough in every phase of the game to give Tennessee a chance in the run game or the protection game against Georgia. That is a... And look, Jabari Small may go. Brent Hubb said it. If anyone's going to go, it's Jabari Small. Probably not going to be Tyon Evans, who it, Nick Saban called their best offensive player, and I agree overall. That, that hurts Tennessee big time. I think Georgia wins big. We are live in Knoxville tomorrow morning for Outkick, the tailgate presented by Farm Folio. Hope you'll join us at Calhoun's on the River to get ready for the full slate of college games. It's going to be a great football weekend. Enjoy it. We'll recap it Monday right here for Outkick 360. We urge you to spend the weekend practicing, not blocking the box and locking the locks.